Today's episode of the Walshy Knobs podcast is sponsored by The Quilt Group. That's www.quilt-group.com. The online quilt group is similar to your local quilt groups, providing you with full access to a community and forum with monthly exclusive patterns, including block of the months, sew alongs, swaps, and guest designers. Yearly membership will give you more projects than you'll have time for. Have access to the group anytime, anywhere, 24-7, so you can share, print, and participate around your personal, busy schedule. Join the online quilt group now at www.quilt-group.com. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 71 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, we're talking about fabric and fabric design with my guest, Kathy Phillips. Kathy is the creative director at Springs Creative, a textile company based in South Carolina that creates over-the-counter fabric by the yard for quilters and sewists. Springs Creative licenses dominant global brands such as Shopkins, Frozen, Ninja Turtles, Minnie Mouse, Doctor Who, Cartoon Network, My Little Pony, and all that good stuff, as well as boutique brands such as Mary Fonz. Their fabrics are available at both large chain stores such as Joanne Fabrics and Walmart and at independent quilt shops. Kathy Phillips, welcome. Hey, how are you? Um, great. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about Springs Creative. I'm fascinated and really curious, so I'm excited to have you. What does it mean to be the creative director at Springs Creative? Like, what does that really involve? What are your projects? What are you working on? Ooh, a little bit of everything. Um, this, well, the creative director actually is in charge of everything that comes in. Um, we usually start with a line plan and to present to our customers, such as Joanne Fabrics, Walmart, um, Hobby Lobby. And so what we'll do is we'll really plan out a whole, I'm in working on spring 17 right now and, um, I'll coordinate and get all of the ideas together, working on trends and, um, kind of getting everything together to present to my designers so then they can start designing. And it could, I mean, we, the fabric that we create, like you had said, it was for entertainment license. And then we also do like seasonal fabric. So Christmas, I mean, right now I'm working on Valentine's day for next year, St. Patty's day. So, um, we, you know, do a whole crew of designs for those type of, um, fabrics as well. So I basically kind of get it all together and look at trends and kind of get with my design team. And we, you know, I'll have a big board that we put things up to talk about and what we should be designing, what we shouldn't be designing. And then the designers usually will present to me once we kind of get the ideas and then they go off and get to do the fun stuff of designing and creating. And then we come back and look at it and we even get down to, okay, this is a six-color print. Where are we going to manufacture the, you know, where will we actually print this? Is this printable? The eyelashes aren't going to show up. I mean, we even have to get into that much detail of when we design, you know, think about how it's going to print. And especially for quilters, too, scale is important as well. I might look at something and go, oh, that's a little bit too big for our quilters. We might need to make it smaller. So kind of and every day is a new day here, too. So the different projects come in as we speak, you know, so. Um, so how many in-house designers about do you have? Um, currently I have eight in-house designers and then I use up to almost eight to 10 freelancers right now. We're, um, we're kind of in between seasons. So I probably am using like two, 
uh, freelancers right now, but um, definitely eight in-house full-time designers. Okay. And so when you say you're looking at trends in these sort of, um, you know, big license, you know, entertainment licenses, for example, so you're looking at kind of what's hot in toys, what's hot in movies, that kind of thing? Well, actually for entertainment license, it's a whole different animal for um, the trends come from maybe like just the over-the-counter fabrics that we do for um the basics quilting, but when it comes okay. to like Disney and um, Marvel and things like that, they actually provide us with a style guide. They do all their trend research. They have everything ready for us. And what we basically do, the style guides will come in and they'll have the images of the character. And then what we do is take those characters and put it into repeat and create designs out of the characters that they provide. So, and it's very like, you know, we have, and then once we design that, that has to go back to the licensor and approve all the designs for us. So, um, before we can present it to our customer. So there's a lot of kind of getting final approval. Right. Because those licenses are really tightly held. And so they want to make sure that, you know, the way you draw My Little Pony is exactly their approved way of My Little Pony being represented. Yes. And they actually provide, we don't even draw My Little Pony or Frozen. Those all, the characters come over already drawn in like a vector base. And so we download all that. But then what we do is we'll create the repeats and the actual designs to make it into fabric. And that's where they'll be like, um, you know, they'll, they'll have specific things of saying, we don't really want her on a blue ground. We, she should probably always be, you know, some princess on a certain color ground. They'll have definitely, you know, um, the rules and regulations of how we present our textile designs for them. Right. And so these brands, it seems like they, it's, this is kind of like um, the market that you've cornered this market. It seems like to me, like a lot of these brands, these entertainment brands, they, when they do want to expand to have fabric, you know, that's not necessarily the first thing you think of, but at some point, if you do want to have fabric so that, you know, the home crafter can create something, you know, a quilt or clothes and that kind of thing, um, they kind of come to Springs Creative to get that created. Yes, they do. Usually um, we'll get a lot of calls. We have a whole department that they'll contact and say, hey, we want, you know, we're a licensing and we want to come to you to have you license our product. Um, Walking Dead, we actually are um, the licensor for Walking Dead. And that just came out of Joanne Fabrics kind of said, I think we need to do Walking Dead. And so we're all like hesitant, really, on fabric. And um, we did it and it's doing great. We also have Doctor Who. I mean, that is selling really well. So, And those are all new, brand new um, licenses for us. Shopkins is selling really well. So we're very happy to see that going on out there as well. Okay, so how long have you worked at Spring Creative? Well, Springs Creative, I've only, I've been here for two years, but I actually, my background is I worked with Springs Industries, which was the company prior to Springs, is part of Springs Creative. Um, I came down in 1998 as a um, textile designer and then um, worked with Springs Industries and worked up through, and and then became eventually a creative director, worked my way through it. Um, In 2007, they, a Brazilian company came and bought out Springs Industries and Derek Close at the time, which is still the family member of the original Springs, um, he's the grandson of the Elliott Springs who actually owned Springs Industries at the time back in 1800s. He bought out the company and called it Springs Creative Group. So he actually is, so that's now what we're called Springs Creative Group. So we are entirely different from right now that's called Springs Global because now they are officially run by a Brazilian company and they do like basic bedding and um, I think they do um, window designs, things like that. 
I see. Okay, so the Springs Creative portion of the company is still a family-owned business. Yes, and I think that's what Derek wanted to do was still keep it because if he never bought that out, then the whole – I mean, this is such a rich history. We started back in the 1880s, and um, him keeping it in the family is just really important to him. And it, and it, and that's what's really neat working here. I feel like it's like a family – oriented kind of company. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that history, about what you know about that history. Because I can't imagine that in the 1880s, or maybe I'm wrong, but I, I can't imagine it was a quilting cotton company back then. Because I don't think there was such a thing as quilting cotton back then. No, so, right? Um, right. Exactly. That seems like a, a 1980s thing, not an 1880s yeah, thing. Right, so, right. so tell us about like kind of uh, what uh, what Springs produced back then and, and how it's changed over time. Oh, so I'll try to do that part as best as I can. Sure. It's doesn't have to be perfect. Um, right, right. So, yeah, so somebody will call me and say, you got that wrong. <laughs> but um, so basically, Colonial Elliott White Springs, he actually was the third president of the Springs Cotton, of Springs um, Cotton Mill. And apparently back in like the 1820s, the Springs family had a lot of land. And so they actually um, were, um, I believe, the plantation owners back then, but it was just for cotton. And what happened was, you know, with the whole industrialization that was up in the north, they decided to move the, the a manufacturing company down to the south and utilize, why don't you put it all together, you know, so you have a manufacturing company along with the cotton fields, and that's when that was established in 1887, and it called the Fort Mill Manufacturing Company. So that was the originally from the Springs family, and so through the years, um, it's just it. It was just manufacturing fabric at that time, cotton fabric, um, for the war and for everything else at that time. And then they decided to do finished goods. And so what happened there was they manufactured um, like sh- mostly sheets. So they were like the number one. I can't even tell you how many you know thousands of sheets they produced. But they're really well known, especially for Wamsetta sheets. You probably heard of uh, Wamsetta. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that that originally came from the Springs family. And then at some point, um, a company, Lowenstein, I think they were, I hope I get this right, they were a company up in New York, and they actually, um, Springs family bought them out, and that's when they bought the actual archives that we talked about, the 400,000 antique documents. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about the archives in a little while. Okay. So the Springs family bought Lowenstein's company in from New York. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, so, and, and Al Hitt Springs was really an amazing man. He actually um, did this advertisement campaign. Um, it was the concept of the Spring Made Lady. So you probably heard of Spring Made Sheets. That's, that, that's also another brand that was really well known back then. And um, he did this really um, advertisement, risque advertising back in the 40s. And you could see it. I think it's actually on our website, I believe. Oh, yeah, I think I did see it. Yeah, uh-huh. really interesting. Um, another book I was looking to see. I have a book called The Spring Story, Our First Hundred Years. I am not sure if it's still published, but it has the whole story of the Springs family. So if anybody's ever interested in that. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's neat to see, you know, it, it, it started out as this, this cotton fabric company, and it still is a cotton fabric company. Exactly. Yeah. You know, of course, times have changed, and a whole lot of things have changed. I mean, uh, probably where the fabric is actually printed has changed and yeah. all of that um, and, and what's on it uh, and who buys it. But um, but you're still really doing what you started out doing. And I, I think that's that's kind of neat and to know that the company is that old. Yes, that's that's the part I love. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. And your um, 
building now, I don't know if this is from where you're talking, but is you're, you're working in a 130 year old converted cotton mill, yes. right? Yes. And we actually, we rank from this, but we are really privileged to be, I'm literally sitting in the original cotton factory um, that was built in the 1800s. We have the original floors, um, parts of it. So ladies with us, <laughs> we sometimes get caught in the holes of where the actual ah. roots were sitting. It's kind of comical, but um, most of them have been, but there's a lot of originality to the building. It's beautiful. It's all open to the way Derek had it designed was um, the cubicles are all half size. Not So when you come in, it's all very open. It's like open communication. He really wanted that feeling of it's all collaborative, um, you know, between all the different departments. And then we have this really cool thing in the center, which are, it's a gar- three garage doors. They're clear and you can actually put them down. And that's kind of where we kind of, um, it's like our hub and that's where we have all of our meetings and everything. Um, wow. very, yeah, very creative, um, atmosphere. I mean, anytime anybody, you, you have to come down because you'll be like, Oh my God, this is so neat that, and, is, um, that is really yeah neat. is there and a portion of it that's open to the public i mean if people yes absolutely we do tours tell us the name of the town you're in in south carolina it's rock hill south carolina rock hill okay and oh. what's the big city nearby Charlotte. Charlotte. Okay, I've yep. never been that area, clearly, so oh, I have no idea. Oh, <laughs> I'm in Boston. To, oh, okay. Oh, I've lived in Connecticut for years, so oh, okay. I know. <laughs> so, I think so, you have so snow right now. We, We're like 70 yeah. degrees. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Um, so you are near Charlotte. So if people are near Charlotte and they want to come and, and tour, yes. um, they can do that by appointment? They can make an appointment and come see? They sh- yeah, they probably should make an appointment because a lot of times um, I'm, I'm in appointments. I'm usually the one who gives the tour. Okay. You're um, one of our salespersons. So um, yeah, and they can even like send us an email or, or you know, um, on our website. I think there is a, something on the website to say that you can actually get a tour. Okay, cool. That's that's really neat to know. And if I ever do make it down, I'll definitely come and, and yeah. meet you because that sounds like a really neat experience. So, um, so you have about 150 employees in total now. And then you also have a team of product and sourcing specialists in Shanghai. Is that where the quilting cotton is printed? Um, yeah, well, actually, we are in several places. And we're probably up to 200 now because I saw it on our websites at 150. Okay. I'm like, oh, we've expanded. Okay, so great. Uh, a couple of those things I saw on the internet, I decided to go see where we were on our um, website. And I, we're going to be updating a couple of those okay. items in there. But, um, yes, yeah, so our fabric is manufactured mostly, well, I don't know the percentage, but um, China, Japan, um, Korea, India, and Pakistan, I would say, is probably uh, all the places that we are manufacturing, currently manufacturing right now. Okay. And can you explain for people who, who may not understand why, sort of why companies choose, because you're not alone, I think every quilting cotton company or almost everyone prints overseas. And so can you just explain, like, do you know why that is? Like, why is it not printed in South Carolina? Well, I think it was at the free trade that happened back in 2000. I don't know my history, but the whole free trade document, when that came through, um, we were able to produce at a much lower pricing overseas. Um, and that's why everybody kind of went over there. Um, now what's happening though is our prices in China are kind of going up a little bit more because of their infrastructure and they have to start paying for things. So I see it slightly changing, you know. Um, I think also with digital printing is really going to change the world um, because, you know, as you know, we have now have digital printing and the capabilities of printing on cotton 
I see that also creeping back into the U.S. Um, but it definitely is, a, it's, it's almost like um, a catch-22. Everybody wants to go to uh, not spend as much money on, you know, saving money. So they'll go and try to get the, the best deal. And the only way you can get the best deal is by kind of going overseas. Yeah, no, but I think that it's it that's important for people to hear, and I think um, I think it, it will come back, and it is starting to come back, and I'm interested to see to sort of follow the progress of how quilts and cotton is printed over the next let's say 10, 15 years, and see whether the combination between um, overseas prices going up, domestic prices uh, becoming more reasonable and more available, you know, uh, printing capability in the U.S. becoming more available, as well as digital printing, I think it will start to shift further. Yeah, and the other shift that you're seeing is a lot of people are shopping online. So this whole now um, brick and mortar, I see that whole thing kind of um, not as important as, I mean, everybody's online shopping. So you can shop online with fabric. If you know your quality of fabric, there was a, you know, a lot of people talked about how, well, a quilter wants to go to the store to feel the fabric. But I feel like if, if you know what that quality is or that brand of that, you know, or the designer, you know, your favorite designer, you know, her, actual fabric, the hand of it, you don't have to go to the store. You can order it right online. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, so do you feel like, um, brick and mortar quilt shops are going to suffer further because of that or of online shopping, or do they just need to innovate and kind of add sort of, you know, experience based, um, value versus, you know, offering yeah. fabric? Yeah. I feel like I love, there's a beauty of going to these little quilt shops because you get self-service. You have somebody who knows you when you walk in and I feel like everybody still needs that. So I, I definitely feel that still to me and my, my own little opinion is that I still love going to a quilt shop and the person says hello or, you know, look what we have today or offering classes, which I think quilt shops have that you, you know, that hands-on class as opposed to an online class. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So in that way, they still have a good place. But but it is, as you said, very easy to shop for quilt and cotton online, at least for a certain kind of customer. Yeah, for a certain customer. I yeah. Think. Mm-hmm. yeah, for a certain customer or in, or in certain circumstances, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about digital printing, um, because this is something that I, when I discovered that you offered, I was really thrilled um, because what you offer is a service, a digital printing service. Yeah. And um, there's no minimum order, so you can have a small run created. And this is something I think people need to know about because you, as a as a creator, I could work with your design team to uh, to make the fabric, to like see how it's going to look, to make the print and the repeat, and then have it printed for me to then use in my product, whatever that might be. So if it's a fashion product or like a baby product or whatever, as long as it's on a polyester fabric, you can do custom digital printing. Yes, this is correct. So yes, so what we have is right now we have the dye sublimation printers and the Mamakis, and um, we also have two other printers. So those are like 52 inches wide. Then we have two other printers that um, actually go up to 120. Um, we right now currently are use, probably working with bigger companies like bedding companies and helping them to print right now, but also does offer custom service if somebody's doing a wedding or something like that and wants to actually, you know, personalize their, you can actually even put your name onto your fabric and run yardage for, you know, your tablecloths or 
canopies or things like that, which I think is really. Yeah. I mean, we're all kind of familiar with spoon flower where you, which is really kind of, you know, for a small run, you can get like a very small run, like a yard, you know, for a special project and that kind of thing. And, and that's awesome. But this is, I think, holds so much you know, possibility for people who are creating sort of boutique fashion lines or, um, oh, just also like I had a guy, I get a lot of emails from a lot of yeah. random people. And I got an email the other day from somebody who said, I have created this patented privacy curtain. I don't know if it's a privacy oh, curtain for like yeah. a hospital or, or where yeah. this privacy curtain is. And he's like, I need to get fabric prints. I need to design them and have them custom printed for me. And at yes. the time he emailed me, I was like, I'm sorry, sorry. I have no idea where you're going to go for this. And then when I was researching Springs Creative, I emailed him back and I'm like, I found your answer. That's exactly it. That's exactly how we work. Yep. Because what's neat is we can work with them and he can, especially utilizing the archives. And that's what's really cool about this is that the archives are right there. They're design ready. So if he's like, I'm looking for a damask or I want to do a conversation or something, then we can sit through the archives and he can pick out his designs and then we'll create the repeats for him and the colorways. And then we are right and everything's right here. And then we digitally print in our digital print, you know, facility. Oh my gosh. This is so, I mean, I think that's just like a boon. That's an amazing resource. I'm totally going to spread the word because I think that's, that's, like, <laughs> yeah. that's just incredible. And I don't know, I mean, maybe, you know, but I don't know of anywhere else that you can do that in the United States, like have like, you know, when we say small run, we're not talking a yard. I mean, you could do a yard, but we're talking like, I have a product and I need to get like a bunch of this, but I don't want to go overseas and go through all of that. I can just have it done right here and to have designers that they're ready to help. It's exactly. just wonderful. That's yes. great. And that's what I feel like it's a little bit different from everybody else right now is that we have it from the start to the the finish, like a lot are offering digital printing, but it's like you come with your own designs, you come up with your own colorways. We, since we're in-house design house, and we also have artwork here or, you know, the archives to look at, it is from, you can create what you want by looking, you know, by working with our um, digital print business. So it is that is really, cool. yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is really cool. You guys. So somebody go use it because I'm very excited. I, about it. I don't need it right now, but I know somebody out there does. So I'm right. so excited. I'm hoping that I think that, you know, originally when we first started, we were saying one to two, you know, minimum yardage. But what's happening is because we're getting really well known now and we're getting big orders, they might do a minimum of 25 yards. But that's still nothing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, right. it's not. It's not 1,000. It's not because overseas right. it's 3,000 okay. is your minimum order. So, so 25 yards. I want to pause things for a moment now to talk with Becky from our sponsor, The Quilt Group. Hi, this is Becky. I'm the pattern designer and blogger over at patchworkposse.com. And um, a couple years ago, I started an online quilt group, which can be found at www.quilt-group.com. I'm from Utah, so I'm in the Utah Quilt Guild. And I joined a couple groups and started my own. And I just love the interaction with other people and being surrounded by those who have the same interests as you. And I thought one time, you know, it would be great to have that kind of atmosphere in an online setting so you weren't confined by location or your time schedule. You could pop in any time. 
but it wasn't just a place to gather, ask questions, and inspire each other. It was also a place that gave patterns that were exclusive to the group, introduced you to different designers from around the world that maybe you wouldn't have an opportunity of meeting, you know, just seeing what other people's tastes and what they're working on from across the way. That's great. So um, how long has this been running now? We just started um, in January, our second year. We've got a mini block of the month going, and then we just started another block of the month that's a large quilt. And so, you know, we've got the block of the month, then we've got the guest designer. There's a tea towel applique, so every month there's a little applique. So there's more projects than you have time, but that's the beauty is you can pick what you want to do. And because it is online, you can save it to your own computer and you have access whenever yeah, so it's so, basically like a like a quilting club, but it just takes right. place online so you can connect with people all over the world. Yes. It is a year long, so it's $35 for the one year. We do have the projects in there from last year, so you have access to 2015 as well as 2016, what we've already done and what's coming up. Visit quilt-group.com to check it out. And now back to my chat with Kathy. So I do want to talk now about these archives because that's the other, I feel like that's the other amazing thing that you have. And I know you're excited about them. So, um, so you have what's called the Baxter Mill archives, and these are this incredible wealth of vintage print designs that you own. So tell us what they are and like what form they take and, and what's possible with them. Oh, and, and anything's possible with them. I call it, it's funny because this is housed also in the cotton factory where we're at. And it looks like a little library and it's, they're, they're um, I don't know, like four by six cards that have antique swatches on them. And some people probably have seen something similar to this. Some are currently, some are marked and some aren't. So sometimes I have to guess of what the time period is, but I won't really put them on. But the ones I've found as early as probably, they're probably 18, I think I found, 1880, you know, there's a lot of those. Um, and they're just, I have all different kinds of sources. They're either on little cards or they're in books. I also have antique documents. Um, and we house them here at the cotton factory. And there's probably over 400,000. We have digitized most of them, but meaning that we've just scanned them in and we're starting an archive system. And what I envision eventually is a designer comes in or somebody who wants to design and says, I'm looking for florals. We can sit on the computer and type in florals and all the archives can come up on the computer. Right now, they have to kind of go through the actual cards and looking through the cards. But eventually, I'm hoping to make this all like a digital um, access for people. And who who made this? I mean, whose fabric was? Was this like some lady who started this? I mean, how did this happen? No, I think that it's a combination. Like the more I, I look on, you know, look at the cards, um, the Lowenstein, because a lot of them are stamped Lowenstein and Sons Library. So when we were talking about the Lowenstein um, family, I think when they, when um, Springs bought Lowenstein, they bought that library. So what had happened was this was part of Springs Industries. Um, like I had said before, um, when this originated with the Springs Company, when Dear Close bought Springs Creative from Springs Global back in 2007, he said, I want the archives too, because he knew that it was worth something and, and it's, you know, what he was going to do with it. And so, um, and that's how we actually got the access of these archives. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they're little, some are little swatches. Some can be up to, um, most of them are like, I guess, oh, maybe three to four inches. A lot of them are on cards as well. They're up to like eight inches. And, and so there's no repeat. What we do is we scan them in, we clean them up, and we, <clears throat> we get them ready for somebody to take and utilize them into fabric. Okay. So Lowenstein's, they must have been a fabric company in New York. Yes. And every time they got in a new bolt, they cut a swatch and, yes. and archived it in some way. And so it yes. just became this giant archive. And, um, and these are, were like you produce over the counter fabrics that would have been right. sold in, you know, the store where you would go to buy, you know, everything else that you would need, <laughs> you would buy fabric right. as well. Um, and that's what this is. And so I, I mean, is it open to the public? Like when I come, can I come and look? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the best part. I mean, you can come look and I can show you everything. And, um, definitely I actually had, um, a local, um, oh, well, Winthrop University is right around the corner, and they're actually um, using the archives to create some artwork over into their studio over there. So it's really neat because I, depending on you know um, the projects, I, I open it up for certain people to use and utilize. Sure, and and there these prints are in the public domain, so they yeah. are things that a person could use. And I mean, you use them in a commercial sense because you own them, but another person could, could I use them in a commercial way? Yes. Yeah, so what we offer now, and that's what um, we're going to be at Surtex. We are now, these, these archives were just sitting here and we use them as a design, you know, our design team uses them. So it, um, Derek says, let's commercialize, let's do something more with these archives. And so that was my big challenge. And so what we're doing now is we're going to go into Surtex, which is a licensing show in New York, May 15th, 16th, May 15th through the 17th. And I'm going to take a lot of the archives with me. And what I'm offering is you can, um, for $300 for the card, you can have this piece of art for two years and do whatever you want with it. But it, so it's a licensing agreement and then they can utilize it and do whatever they want. And, you know, mm, interesting. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I think, you know, Good for you guys for figuring out a way to bring this back to life because in my own very limited experience in sort of stumbling upon vintage fabrics that were from the 1940s, right. um, which somebody gave me recently a big box of. And oh, the, I mean, the patterns, <laughs> I know I, they're like my favorite, you know, they're my treasures now, but the, the patterns are just so phenomenal and so i imagine that there's a lot of good treasures in there's this. a lot yeah uh, yeah and what's hard is you know i'm going to surtex and i'm trying to build what i'm going to take up there and i'm like oh i love this i love you know i can't take it all so it's really hard but i'm looking at more of the unique i mean the florals like you said i mean i have beautiful florals from the 40s and the 30s um this the the group that's one of my favorite drawers, it, it was Mark Bandanas, and I think because it's red and white, but it's actually 1900s, 1910, and these fantastic red and white prints that are like the, the dye has never gone away. It's bright, so I'm sure it's from the matter root like back then. What did they – they didn't use, you know, our dyes that we use today, and it's not faded. And um, I, t I take these, and they're so antique, but when I – put them into a repeat and scale them up and add color. It just, they're, they look, you know, relevant to today. And it doesn't even look like it came from an antique document. Yeah. That's amazing. So let's talk about Mary Fonz for a minute because, okay. um, I met Mary at Quilt Market in the fall yep. and, um, she was there to launch her new fabric line, which is pulling from 
the Springs yeah. Creative Baxter Mill Archive. So tell me how you came upon the idea of working with Mary. Um, it actually came um, from somebody that we work here that kind of, um, Susan Morgan works with a lot of our quilters and it kind of was her idea saying, hey, why don't we connect Mary Fawns with us? We're always constantly looking for artists, you know, um, quilters for creating a licensed product. And of course, Mary is one of our favorite. And so um, we contacted her and she was tickled to death, especially when she saw the archives. We have some wonderful photos of her diving through. I call it archive diving. And um, because there's just so many cards to go through. Um, so she came down and we kind of talked about the possibility of she, if she'd be interested, you know, working with us. And she was tickled to death, especially when she saw the archives. Um, and once we created the line and you know, Mary, she's uh, love her. And, um, so sweet. She like literally cried when she saw her fabric. I'm when, sure she did. <laughs> she came and saw the fish. She goes, Oh my God. And cried. And, um, she even wrote a great little book about Springs and the whole like, um, fabric fairy and how it all happened. And I keep telling her she has to, um, actually, um, get it published because it's the cutest, sweetest book that she wrote about our, our. Uh, our family down here and Aww. how we we made her dream come true. And um, yeah. So, so, right. So she went through the archives, she picked the prints that she wanted and you worked with her to create this fabric collection. And um, they're all really small scale prints. Yes. Cause she wanted to keep in mind, which was really smart. Um, the, the beginner quilter, you know, and something very easy. And so, and it was perfect because our prints coming out of the archives are small on a smaller scale. Um, and she does, we did a around the world, um, designs for her, like, you know, she, I think um, Germany and Japan, um, they're all different. Oh, Holland's one of my favorites. So that was at the quilt market. You probably saw that all. Yeah. And so that they're kind of, um, are those fabrics actually from those places or are they just sort of representative in their design of the themes of those places? They're actually representative. Actually, they it, literally every single one of the pieces that you see in that line came from our archive. So what I did was we kind of came up with the concept of what do, how, what do we want to do? Do we want at first we really were thinking of just doing like the 40s, the 30s. And then um, when I went into the archives, we just started finding these cute little like um Asian prints and um, little like um, Holland shoes. And, um, and then that's where like, oh my God, let's do around the world, you know. Right. Um, and that's how it came about. Yeah. 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 So and she's actually going to be um, launching three more. Oh, wow. Pieces. Hey. Three more. Three yeah, more collections. Three. Yep. Three more collections. So. All right. So did we hear that first here? That's cool. <laughs> I haven't heard that anywhere else. Yeah, you might have. <laughs> yeah, exclusive. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. So, so, um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say that not only did she present this at Quilt Market and it was really exciting to have, uh, the archive, um, come to life in this way and have Mary have a line and all of that. But the booth and the branding materials and everything were incredibly striking. And I actually think you guys won a booth award. We did. We did. Len Patterson's our visual merchandiser here. And he is like a fantastic um, person that decorates the our booths. And we were tickled to death that he um, came up with that design and layout. And we won an award. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was really really nice. I mean, it was like lit. I don't know how you guys lit it, but 
my memory of it is like it's white with Mary's red lipstick and the red heart and then this lighting. And it was like, it was striking. It was very clean. And that's what we loved. The aesthetics was so clean because, you know, sometimes you think of used antique documents. It's very like um, eclectic and things. And we really wanted to make the booth look very clean and aesthetic. You you could have gone down the Little House on the Prairie. Right. You know what I'm saying? But you totally did it. You totally went modern. And I I think it looked great. So. and I think that's the biggest thing on these um, archives. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, they're, they look antique documents. And, and what's so neat is you can make any of these archives um, relevant to, to today. I mean, they look so modern. Just add color and scale and, you know, things like that. And it can you will never even know where it came from, you know. Yeah, that is, that's really neat. And and I kind of am, am fascinated by by kind of a combination of all the things that we just talked about. So we started off by talking about Shopkins and My yes. Little Pony <laughs> and um, Doctor Who <laughs> and right, all of right. those things. And um, and then uh, and then we talked about digital printing and the idea that people can get anything they want um, at all on the on fabric for any kind of project. And then I sort of ended up with talking about these old uh, prints that you have in this archive and bringing them back to life. And all of that kind of lives on the same plane. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's all right. out there now and it's all available. And within Springs, you're doing all of that. Yes. And I think that's where we're so versatile and, um, we do, we do it all, you know, from soups to nuts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also like with the whole, we're thinking of the future and that's what Derek's constantly, our logo is what's next now. That's um, our brand name, you know, that's our logo and um, he's constantly thinking what's next, what's next. And so um, this whole digital printing is probably what is definitely next. Um, it's going to really probably turn the world of printing around. And um, I, I love the fact that he's always wanting to know what, what can we do new? Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And I think, you know, it's really easy to fall into a feeling of like things are changing. For example, as we spoke about online commerce and to start to say like, um, be nostalgic for the old days when people always went to the store and to be angry, you know, to be angry and frustrated with the things, the way things have changed, especially with the influence of the internet. Um, but instead, you know, it sounds like you really have this idea of let's innovate, let's keep going, let's use it and, and figure out a new way. Right, right. And constantly looking at the, our consumer, who's going to be our next consumer. I think that's so important in anything, in marketing, and anything that you do. And even in design, what I'm doing right now. So I'm, I'm reading about the new consumers that are coming up. The ones that are literally just born, um, they're actually they will be the first generation that is only technology driven. Mm-hmm. They're going to be, they're saying something, they're going to be the smartest generation because it's what, what's available to them online. So I'm already thinking down the line, okay, what are they going to want in 20 years? You know, mm-hmm. maybe I'm going to be around for 20 years, but I'm always thinking maybe not that generation, but definitely the, um, the next generation mm-hmm. of, you know, what are they going to want in fabric? What are, are they going to be sewers? Are they going to be makers? Are they going to, you know, and you're seeing it millennial, um, the, the customer, it's a totally the millennial customer. customer. Right. Yeah. And what do you think? I mean, just, just off the cuff, like, what do you think the millennial customer wants? My sister is a millennial and she's a maker. Like what, what, what do the millennials want as far as fabric is concerned? I feel like, um, you know, with the rise of, um, somebody like Spoonflower, I think things are starting to be more personalized. People want to be part of it and not just go by. They want somehow to have a, their own 
hand, their own touch into it. So that's why I think that's what's happening now. Um, you know, your own story, your own, your own, um, mm. I just, and instant gratification. So mm-hmm. I not only want it, but I want it right now. You know, I have three millennial children. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, How old are your kids? Um, I have two, um, 19 soon to be 20. One's, um, a boy, one's a girl, and then a 22 year old soon to be 23. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you have a really good point about this combination between personalization and instant gratification. And in that way, Instagram is like the best thing ever because it's both of those things. It's me expressing myself, my selfie, you know, doing what I do and it's right now. And there's like no barrier. You just, you know, click the button, boom, and it's up and it's shared with everybody. And um, so transferring sort of that feeling or that desire into a product that can work as a maker that can work as a crafter. Um, that's an interesting idea. That's that's a valuable thing to think about. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know, if, for instance, on Joanne Fabrics' website, they actually have a um, personalization. Um, I'm not sure where it lives on the website, but if you go in, you can click on it, get a Mickey Mouse, put your name on it for your, your kid or your grandchild, and then you order the fabric and you get it the next day, and we're affiliated with that. So that's that whole, you, you get the design, you get to pick the design, you get to put whatever name you on, on and you have like five different substrates. And, oh, interesting. Um, so you are printing that customized Mickey Mouse fabric for yes. the Joann's customer. Yes. Oh, so you think more of that is going to yes. come, come down the pipe? I think so. And that's digital. You're digitally printing that. Yes, we're digitally printing it. I see. So you're, are you digitally printing on top of an already printed overseas printed fabric or the whole thing's digital? No, everything's digital. So Mm -hmm. what happens? Yeah. So it's, and it's all, um, and it on the polyester fabric, it's actually heat transferred. So you're you're probably familiar with it, but it's a, you print the paper, the paper's heat transferred. Oh, I see. The paper actually gets heat transferred onto the polyester fabric. Mm -hmm. That's why it has to be polyester. Um, because of it goes through of like a 400 degree mm-hmm. um, ironing, you know, the, the transferring. Um, all right. So uh, I just wanted to come back to you for just a second before we get to our recommendations. I know that you came from a really creative family and you told me um, a great thing before the interview. You told me that your mom used to say to you, we're surrounded by ideas. You just have to reach up and grab one. Yes. And I love that. So if you want to just tell us a little bit about your background and your family. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My mother, Stella, which I just love that name. Um, I will just was, say that my daughter's name is Stella. Oh, okay. oh, oh, <laughs> I have wow. to interrupt because I love that name too. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh my God. So, um, I guess I can say I was born a late, late child. She, I actually, um, um, she calls, she called me my change of her change of life baby. So she was in her um, mid forties when she had me. So, um, unfortunately that's why, you know, she's no longer around. Um, died, Actually, it'll be three years this Saturday. But um, she was just um, she was a fa- an egger. So uh, for anybody who knows that she would take fabric uh, goose eggs, and she had like an incubator, and literally would sit there and with her dentist tools and carve these beautiful eggs. And we would sit around to egg shows. I would sit with her at these egg shows, and she would sell these gorgeous jeweled eggs. Of course, the joke was um, she would make these beautiful wedding eggs for everybody, and I never got one. You know, it was always, right. she was always, you know. Um, but 
so she, and she also was um, a card maker, a crafter. I mean, everything. She had this little craft table in the middle of our living room. And while my father and I or anybody would be watching TV, she would be over in the corner, you know, doing her crafts. So I was constantly surrounded by that. She also um, played the piano. She sang. I mean, the woman was incredible. And I always said, Mom, you were Martha Stewart before Martha Stewart. Um, and then so my father was a chef. And so that um, I feel like is a creative thing as well. I mean, um, a field and, um, he was always constantly cooking and showing us how to cook. And, um, and then I had a brother who was an architect. Um, unfortunately he passed at 59. And then my other brother was a fine artist. He actually was, um, diagnosed with schizophrenia and, um, he was incredible. You know, sometimes it takes craziness to make beautiful art. And, um, sometimes, yeah was incredible the detail in it um so i have a lot of his artwork and then my sister is interior designer who works in washington dc and so i just was surrounded by we were always making crafts we were always you know our house always was full of crafts and so now i'm passing the torch and now my house is a mess with um fabric everywhere you know yeah yeah and you you started you have an mfa in um costume design so you started off in as a costume designer were you in new york um, I actually was in, um, you, uh, um, I graduated, got my MFA in University of Connecticut. So I stayed in the Connecticut area for 15 years, but I did some freelance in New York because it's just a train ride. Um, did like off, off Broadway show, but, um, that just means you don't get paid and you get to put that on your resume. <laughs> you know, hey, I did off, off Broadway, you know, um, worked with, um, Richard Thomas. Um, I can't remember what the, play was and Marla Thomas, believe it or not. Um, wow. So that, that was fun. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was in my twenties, but you know, um, the, it's grueling hours and I probably in my late twenties said, I don't want to be doing this anymore. The baby, you know, <laughs> the baby clock was ticking and um, I wanted to get out of the theater field because um, it was just not a place to raise the family, you know, in New York city, in my opinion, for me, you know, so um, I went into textile design, and um, that's when Springs found me. So right. I started getting my resume out. Actually, I worked at Casual Corner as a textile designer for a while, too, in fabric. Um, and, and you guys will be at Quilt Market again in, yes. Salt, in Salt Lake. And will you be there yourself? I will. I, they say I will be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, great. So if people go to a lot of my listeners go to Quilt Market. So if they if they go to Quilt Market, they can they can come and, and say hi to Kathy. And hopefully if you're there in the Springs booth. Yeah, I hope so. They rotate us sometimes. So okay. I don't know what day I'll be there, but I'm um, definitely I plan to be there. I'm very excited. Um, got some new things coming down our the pipe that I can't mention, but you will see some things. All right, great. And we'll look for Mary's uh, Mary's new yeah. stuff coming too. So I want to talk a little bit about your recommendations. You had a couple um, really good things to recommend, and I, I think I might recommend a thing or two myself this, this time because I actually have some new things to recommend too. So um, first, you wanted to talk about Shibori dying, and it sounds like there's a book that you really enjoy for shibori and recommend which is called art of japanese shaped resist dying so tell us a little bit about sort of how you discovered this and what you like about that book well i actually i took a class at john c campbell folk school up in brasstown north carolina it's up in the mountains i suggest anybody to look that up online they have all kinds of fantastic classes 
Um, it's really a fun place because it's up in the middle of the mountains. Um, a nice way to get away. You actually live in a, these different like housing developments. Um, it could be like a dorm with other people or you could be by yourself. Um, I had one other roommate. And so there's a Shibori dyeing class. I just love to get my hands dirty and I love that kind of craft rather than I'm more of a modern quilter than a um, traditional quilter. So I wanted to really start creating my own fabric. So when I do my modern quilts, um, I wanted that. I think also because I'm just surrounded every day on the computer that I wanted not to be on the computer. So I took this class and I apologize that I don't remember the name of the teacher right now. And she recommended this book. And so, you know, when you take a class and then you leave and you go, oh, my God, I'm going to forget everything and I'll never learn what did I do. <laughs> especially when you don't take notes and you're just kind of like into it. Right. This book really, it's very detailed, but it does go back to exactly what I was taught in the class. And that's why I liked it so much. It's a lot of reading, but it is really the original Japanese shibori dyeing, how they did it, very detailed, all different kinds of ways of doing the dyeing. And um, there's other books out there that are just as good that kind of talk more about the dyes and what you should buy and, and very basic if you really want to learn basic. But if you want to get into the real, real, you know, deal, then that's the book that I recommend. Awesome. That, that sounds great. And, um, and I can totally see that for a lot of us too, we're on the computer all the time. And so there's just such a, an appeal of something like dyeing fabric and, you know, with Shibori, you're tying it as well. So, um, just really working with your hands in a way that is, is wonderful. Yeah. And um, you don't know what it's going to look like. Right. And that's the element of surprise. You You're like, Oh my God, this is like yeah. so neat. I'm going to do this. And then once you do it, then you think about, okay, now what can I make out of it? You know, I don't even think of what I'm making out of it until it's done. Yeah, and I, totally. Yeah, and then you see what it, what it speaks to you. And yeah. did, did you go to QuiltCon? Yes, I did. I went to QuiltCon, um, not this past one, but one before. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. I haven't been there for two years, so I, I need okay. to get back up there. Yeah, and does Springs go? Does Do you have a representation there or no? No, we don't. Not, we just go yeah. to look, yeah. Okay, all right, good to know. Um, all right, cool. I want to make a recommendation of a podcast. So um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like podcasts. So I can recommend a podcast that I really like that I just found. It's just started, and it's called Not By Accident, and it is absolutely lovely. Um, it is a woman who, um, I believe she's in maybe Holland. Um, and, but she speaks English and thinks she's originally Australian and she is having a baby by herself. Um, so the first episode is, she calls her insemination story and, um, and it goes, and you know already that it's going to work because her child, whose name is Astrid, talks in the introduction. So you know it's going to work. Um, and it's just really beautifully done. She's a great storyteller. It's documentary, and she's going to publish every two weeks from years, I think. I mean, I'm not sure how long this is going to go, but for a while. Um, and I cried. I mean, it was really good. So I really recommend it. The first episode is just 16 minutes long. So if you aren't subscribed to Not By Accident um, and you're interested in issues of motherhood and feminism and that sort of thing, I really recommend it. It's good. Um, okay. So I'm going to let you go next. And you just recently uh, came back from a trip to India. Was yes. that for work or is that for pleasure? Yes. No, it's for work. We um, visit factories a lot of times and just kind of um, – look at what they can do and the, what their capabilities are as well as I go to a show. It's, um, Oh my God, it's the textile show. Isn't it? It's the home textile show in new Delhi. 
Oh, wow. And um, I've been to China as well. And um, I just love going to India. I think because, again, I love the handcraft that they do. Um, I've got to see, like, up front them actually doing a hand stamping fabric at the show. And it's just so neat to see, you know. Wow. Um, yeah. Love it. I don't – it's sad, some of the poverty, but um, yeah. the people are just – so sweet and um, truly enjoy it. I recommend it to people. Um, the textiles are incredible in India. Just, I brought a lot back. Um, you know, I, I trend shop too, so I, I bring a lot back for color and for you know inspiration. So you bought a book called Eco Color: Botanical Dyes for Beautiful Textiles by India yes. Flint, and it's all about natural dyeing. And I feel like natural dyeing, um, it's back. You know, it's yes. back in a big way. I think so. I think, you know, it's um, a natural way of, um, of, of creating fabrics um, and using actual natural dyes. I have not even <laughs> cracked open this book. I was actually at my quilt. Um, I belong to your county quilt guild, and we had a speaker there, and she has taken a class. And it was actually at John C. Campbell uh, on this type of dyeing, and she recommended the book. And, of course, when I saw it, I was like, okay, i got to buy this book. I opened it up, though, and, and looked at it, and it, I cannot wait to start trying some things. I mean, it's a beautiful book, too. So, And, the, and it's just incredible. Like, eucalyptus sleeves um, are orange when you dye them. Who, who knew? Like, it's incredible the colors that you can get from just the natural leaves. Yeah, and I'm going to have um, Kristen, I don't know how you say her last name, Behar. She is the owner of A Verb for Keeping Warm, and she has a new book out um, with oh. Abrams on natural dyeing fabrics, and she's an upcoming podcast guest, so you can Ooh, I listen, will listen up for that, and Absolutely. she's going to talk all about um, natural dyeing, which I'm really excited Great. to learn more about. Yeah, so, and then uh, your third recommendation is a project, and then I have a po another podcast oh, to recommend. Okay. Uh, your third recommendation is a project you're working on, um, and it's a pattern by Jen Kingwell, who I love her designs. Yes. Um, so tell me about that one. That was one of those. I was at a, the quilt show, some quilt show. I can't even remember because I go to a lot of them. And um, I just saw the actual finished product up on the wall, and I said, oh, my God, i got to make this. And so um, – I bought the pattern and I just started. And of course, you know, I'm full time here and um, it's very hard to, as you know, start a project and finish it as everybody out there in that land, everybody knows about that. And yes. so um, I have started it. Um, I've on my third block and um, it's this great little, the flowers, their blocks are different flowers. And what's interesting because I don't do um, traditional quilting and I'm kind of self-taught on that part, doing this, um, pattern is making me learn the different, um, you know, quilt blocks. And, um, it is, it's very challenging, but I, it, it's adorable. And so what I'm doing, she did her colors a little bit more muted and I'm doing mine very bright. Um, um, and I just recommend it. That's something I'm, I'm playing with it. I, I'm getting a little frustrated with it because like I said, I'm more modern, but I, I love, I love a challenge and that's why I'm, that's my new project I'm working on. Excellent. I'll okay. probably finish it when I'm 82. That's all <laughs> That's right. Okay. I'll we, get it done. <laughs> we all need projects like that that are just forever part of us. So we're working on them. Right. Exactly. And, um, okay, so I have one more podcast. It's actually sort of in that same vein as the podcast I recommended before, which this one's called How to Be a Girl. And this is also a mom, okay, so similar in that way. Um, she's a single mom, and she has a child who is transgender. And this child knew that they, although born a boy, were actually a girl when they were four. 
And she is raising this transgender child who's now in second grade and um, talks all about every question, every uh, fear and thought and worry and concern um, and doubt and everything that you would have as a parent of a child who's transgender, um, she expresses and works through in just such a lovely way. It's beautifully produced. Uh, she doesn't use her real name. She uses the name Marlo Mack, and she does never says the name of the child. So it's completely anonymous. So you don't know where they live. Um, and it's just done in the most thoughtful way. Again, I've cried multiple times, and um, I just really recommend it. There's She releases episodes sporadically because it's kind of in real time. So as they're like, go, as her child's growing up. Um, but whenever one comes out, I'm like, immediately, I, got, I have to listen to it. Um, so she's on episode 10 right now, and they've switched schools. And so anyway, I, I really love How to Be a Girl, and I recommend that one too. So I have to give wow. you all the good podcasts to listen to. Um, yeah, I'm a big podcast fan. Not that's, crafting related either. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. I wrote them all down. I'm going to start listening. Sometimes I do listen to craft podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes I think it's good to sort of have your mind on something completely different. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. it kind of helps. I don't know. I can get too obsessive, so it's good for me at least to, to think about something else um, from time to time. So um, awesome. Well, this has been really interesting, Kathy. I'm so excited Great. to learn more about Springs Creative and about you and um I wondered if people want to reach out to you, if they have a, a question or just want to follow up, send you a message, what's the best way for them to find you? The phone number is 803-324-6402. Okay. And if we call, if we call that number, who will we reach? Yeah, you reach me. That's, okay. that's my direct line. Oh, awesome. Okay. So that's your direct line if we wanted yeah. to call you. Um, yeah. And then they could send me, certainly send me an email if they're, if they're very curious. And, and especially for digital printing, I would, I would forward to somebody else, but they can call, um, send me an email at kathy.phillips at springscreative.com. Awesome. That's super. So if people have a specific question or something like that, they can follow up and well, definitely, yes. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, in Pinterest, I believe. Awesome. That's super. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Walsh and Ups podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've been listening to the Walsh and Ups podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Visit my blog, walshenaps.com, where you can sign up for my weekly email newsletter to get the best in sewing, blogging, and small business delivered right to your inbox. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Today's episode is sponsored by the online quilt group. Similar to your local quilt group, it provides you with full access to a community and forum with monthly exclusive patterns, including block of the month, sew along, swaps, guest designers, and more. Your yearly membership will give you more projects than you'll have time for. You'll have access to the group anytime, anywhere, 24-7, so you can check in, share, print, and participate around your personal busy schedule. Don't miss another pattern, project, meeting, or discussion. Join now at www.quilt-group.com. And thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.